listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Here's a message from today's episode's sponsor. Insulate, makers of Omnipod, are committed to simplifying the lives of people with insulin-dependent diabetes. Omnipod 5 Automated Insulin Delivery System Aid is indicated for people with type 1 diabetes ages 2 years and older. Omnipod 5 is the first and only tubeless aid system in the United States that is exclusively available in the pharmacy. The Omnipod 5 combines a tubeless, waterproof, wearable pod that integrates with Dexcom G6 CGM to automatically adjust insulin based on glucose trends every 5 minutes. For more information on this innovative technology, visit Omnipod.com. Disclaimers, the pod has an IP28 rating for up to 25 feet for 60 minutes. The Omnipod 5 controller is not waterproof. The Dexcom G6 is sold separately and requires a separate prescription. Visit Omnipod.com safety for additional important safety information. Welcome to The Pain Pod, the podcast for all things pain management, hosted by The Pain Guy, Dr. Mark Grofoli. We'll be collaborating with numerous pain management experts, talking about substance usage disorders, the latest treatment modalities, and most important, important, focusing on the pain of our patients as leading providers of pain care. And now, here's our host, a man wanted in all 50 states, a suburban city-like mountain man, without the beard, from the hills of West Virginia, and certified in weapons of mass destruction response, it's Dr. Mark Garofoli. All right, welcome back everyone to the Pain Pod. This is, of course, Pain Guy. Mark Pain Guy Garofli here, our, our host. Uh, come on back here, hot and live on the Pain Pod. So, in recent episodes, we've uh, we've come across a topic that is really, really important, quite frankly, for our whole society, not just in healthcare. In fact, this transcends well beyond healthcare. And of course, I'm talking about all things naloxone. And in reality, as we're going to learn in the coming years, really all medications that are known as opioid mu antagonists, those medicines that reverse opioid overdose respiratory depression, reviving people, getting people breathing again once they were no longer breathing after ingesting an opioid knowingly or unknowingly at a very high risk dose. So all things naloxone, okay? Uh, now, for lots of information I do want to share with everybody, check out the Pain Guy website. It's painguy.us. So yeah, you just go to www.painguy.us. Not cool enough to get the .com? Quite frankly, it's just a tad bit too expensive. But what are you going to do? Turns out, American. So let's go with .us, right? So painguy.us. All right, so... We're going to have all uh, episodes and lots of information available there for uh, all of our pain pod nation. But let's dive into all things naloxone and really opioid overdose reversal agents in general. 
First thing I'd like to do, though, is just jump into, well, what about opioid overdoses? So what's going on? You know, uh, at, at higher risk doses, uh, certainly individualized along the way. Uh, but at some point, the high risk doses get so high that uh, it really doesn't matter on the person, obviously. Uh, but what happens for an opioid overdose? You know, what symptoms should we be looking for out there, right? So if someone uh, knowingly or unknowingly has overdosed with an opioid, whether it is prescription or illicit derived, think about the substance, of course. Um, it's going to be various different symptoms you could be looking for, like things like pale or clammy skin, um, slow or no heartbeat. Uh, you know, I, I always uh, uh, talk about how it's like we roll around in society with our stethies around our neck or something. Like, you know, you can certainly check a heartbeat with, uh, you know, a finger or two um, utilizing the arm. But at the same time, that's uh, relatively invasive compared to looking at people for other things uh, like uh, hypoxia or lack of oxygen. That's going to result in blue lips and nails. To me, that's a big one, folks. You could see that from farther away, even in relatively darker light, maybe in a party scene, maybe at a bus stop, wherever. You could visualize that and get, get to be knowing what's going on. Because there's also going to be other things like hypotension and, of course, the infamous pinpoint pupils. But again, if eyes are closed, what are we going to be moving around? Is everyone comfortable opening eyelids of uh, folks that are laying on the ground not breathing? Uh, so we got to think about those things as well. And uh, last but certainly not least is the death rattle. That's that gargled or slow or absent breathing, quite frankly, uh, but the death rattle. Uh, pretty obvious in the in the overall cascade, of course. All right, so if someone's got those symptoms and we're out in society and want to take care of people or we're educating others how to take care of people, how do you actually go about that? Uh, so if you have an, an opioid antagonist, uh, and, uh, such as naloxone, uh, but we'll, we'll touch on some others as well, too. And it's all things naloxone here today, of course. Uh, once you got those signs and symptoms of an opioid overdose, you got a, a decision there. Uh, do you call 911 and then administer the naloxone? Or do you administer the naloxone and then call 911? Uh, folks can debate on both or can delegate. Uh, much better to delegate than debate, right? Bottom line is you got to do both, okay? Think about even yourself. If you're the one laying there, uh, you would appreciate uh, some professionals, EMS, showing up really soon, right? Uh, and then there's always, obviously, of course, uh, rescue breathing could be applied. Uh, folks are going to want to stay with that person, uh, you know, to monitor them. Um, typically, it's stated that after two to five minutes um, it, to repeat the naloxone dose, uh, if the person has not awakened or breathing well, um, that's a tough one. Because if you think about it, if somebody's dying in front of you, waiting two minutes, is, it might feel like two centuries right? Uh, we run into that a lot observationally across the country. So, all right. Now, how do we, uh, how do we man every man, woman, and child with naloxone, right? Uh, we'll go over some other ideas here uh, today in this episode, but, um, you know, pretty much anybody who wants it, I mean, let's just start there. Anyone who wants to have naloxone, either on their person or in their house or in wherever they are, person and location, that's the big things, right? Uh, but some patients uh, to be to be uh, you know starting up some conversations with, especially once there's that trust out there, healthcare professionals and patients having trust. Uh, you know, if there's higher risk uh, opioid doses being utilized, uh, if people have a, a changing of their pain management uh, prescription opioids or even SUD opioids, any doses changes around there. 
Um, anyone with an opioid use disorder, certainly a great conversation to be having the locks on around, or even if there's a family uh, history of it, family, friends, whatever. Uh, how about rural? I mean, if we're farther away from hospitals, probably want to have this around just like in, uh, you know, a defibrillator or so on and so forth for other, other helpers along the way. And really, if there's any respiratory conditions along the way too, for, you know, concern for anyone. All right. So we went over, you know, what we're looking for for opioid overdoses, how we go about administering something like naloxone, who do we talk to about naloxone. But obviously the headlines these days are on OTC naloxone. Okay. So let's boil that down here. All right. Uh, let's uh, remember that one effort anywhere is typically not a panacea. Okay. But we want to get some first downs. All right. Now you guys know me. I, I'm a huge baseball fan. We're a baseball family, but turns out we like football too. Okay. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, we've talked about the buprenorphine X waiver, kind of like a first down in your own territory. Naloxone moving uh, OTC is another one of those first downs, perhaps getting into your opponent's territory. Uh, the idea there is that it's not a touchdown yet. There's still other things. So two sides to every coin, right? Um, in a shift to OTC, you're going to have availability beyond pharmacies. Quite frankly, pretty obvious, right? But we don't want to forget that. Yeah, you know, the general community is going to have these uh, devices or medication in general available. Grocery stores, convenience stores, airports, bars, anywhere. That's OTC, right? All right. Um, but but you know, other side of the coin too. Will some store? Will some of these organizations and even pharmacies? Will some store it behind the counter or or even lock it up with things like razors and condoms to prevent theft? Seriously, folks, let's think about that, okay? Uh, the concept of OTC is a huge step. It's not the final step, though. Um, uh, you know, the old adage of a, a journey of thousands of miles begins with one step. Here we are, okay? Got a lot more to go. Um, it, also, people will be able to get it online. Think about that, too. Uh, th that's not going to involve face-to-face -face interactions. So, yes, there'll be less stigma as a possibility, but also less education, too. Now, what about cost? Oh boy, there's the big one, right? So uh, insurance coverage. Um, will all insurances either uh, uh, by choice still cover the OTC naloxone products or will it be mandated? And by the way, what will the copay be? Uh, and then uh, as far as the out-of-pocket price, um, you know, a little bit more philosophical, but what price enables actual increased access? I mean, $20, $50, $5? At what point, like, how do you put the price on the heartbeats, right? That That's getting deep, folks. And uh, I don't like scenarios where we don't have an actual answer, of course. The easiest answer would be free, but, you know. Um, all right. Now, I mentioned the education thing. That's another big thing, too. Um, you know, the actual administration of naloxone is, is, as we all know, I'm sure, is pretty straightforward. Um, however... You got to realize that the situation involves a human who is no longer breathing. Okay. As easy as it is to say uh, for nasal products to spray in a nostril. Yeah. No matter how much simulation we do in healthcare settings, there's not someone dying in front of you. Okay. Um, additional to that on the education idea, particularly with naloxone, um, most education scenarios are teach the teacher, if you think about it. Okay. The person acquiring the product is not the person typically utilizing the product to save a life. So it's almost like having to teach people how to teach in addition to the information on naloxone. Yeah, that's tough, right? Um, so we got to keep all these things, that, you know, the availability, the cost, the education, all these ideas in mind for OTC naloxone. 
we'll, we'll certainly dive a little bit deeper. Uh, but you know, speaking of OTC naloxone products, so uh, the brand name Narcan is the you know first to the table. Uh, that that uh, got originally the FDA panel uh, back in I believe February twenty three. Uh, the FDA panel, not the FDA, but the FDA panel unanimously recommended uh, shift to OTC. It was 19 to zero. Okay. A big victory there in that panel. Uh, and then on March 29th, 2023, our FDA approved uh, Narcan uh, brand name to be OTC. Uh, so it's that one. Turns out there's two others that are in the pipeline as well. Okay. Uh, there's the Revive product. Uh, that's from uh, Harm Reduction Therapeutics. Got some funding from Purdue Pharma. That's a whole story too, of course. Uh, the FDA uh, review for that is expected in the summer of 2023, around about July. Uh, that particular product, uh, the aim there is to have something that uh, is uh, the lower cost end. Okay, And here's that cost idea coming up again with OTC access. Uh, the revived product will be three milligrams uh, per spray, uh, whereas the Narcan product is four milligrams. And then we have others that are even higher. Uh, as far as doses go uh, for the opioid overdose reversals. And then there's another one that's looking uh, eyeing up OTC status. And this is a, a newer formulation. It'll be NAC swab. That's a nasal swab. So yeah, picture, uh, you know, you know to, uh, just, just putting a swab up in the nose. So there's not a spray, but uh, a, a, a cleaning along the way. Essentially, like putting a Q-tip up someone's nose. So that's that's going to be a definitely a, a different formulation coming down the road, of course. But you got the three thus far that have applied for the OTC status, uh, Narcan already there, Revive, and then NaxSwab. Okay. Now, uh, of note with Narcan, it is the brand name only. Uh, that's coming from uh, the folks, the manufacturers from uh, Emergent Biosolutions. Uh, so we got to keep that in mind. Um, I, of note, I, I have reached out to folks to have uh, various interviews here on the pain pot or just for general information along the way too. Boy, big, big uh, concerns with getting ghosted here. I, I tell you, pain pod nation, good golly. So uh, naloxone manufacturers, nalmaphene manufacturers, if you're listening, reach out, man. Go to painguy.us. It's so easy. Or even LinkedIn. I digress. Um, next big picture here. You know, it's all things naloxone, right? But turns out naloxone is not the only opioid mu antagonist, right? Uh, there's also naltrexone and nalmaphene. So let's touch on those along with some information on naloxone. We'll, we'll jump into pharmacology land here, okay? Uh, so all of these uh, medications are, are actually coming from a structural similarity of oxymorphone. Now, does that mean we have concerns of people taking uh, these products and converting back to oxymorphone? No, no, no. That would be another Hollywood uh, hit, uh, probably similar to, but uh, within the opioid realm as uh, Breaking Bad or any of the rest of them, okay? Uh, Walter White, the fictitious character, I think he retired, right? All right, so let's go into the, some of the fun pharmacology for everybody, though. Uh, so naloxone actually has uh, mirror images, we'll call it that. Uh, enantiomers, one of them is active, one's not. Uh, and it's an antagonist. It, it's uh, basically blocking opioid receptors, uh, delta, kappa, and mu. But mu is the big one, of course, for respiratory depression. Uh, naloxone is highly lipophilic, so that's going to penetrate the BBB. Not the Better Business Bureau, folks. Come on, the blood-brain barrier. Um, it does have low oral bioavailability, though. Hence the nasal sprays, the injections, nothing like a 
tablet per se. Okay. Got a short duration of action, usually talking about 30 minutes, but it could go up to two hours. Uh, and it's had approval for, uh, quite frankly, a long time now. Um, over 50 years ago, it was for naloxone was first approved. Well, your mind might be thinking this thing's been around for 50 years and we're still having cost concerns. Yep. Welcome to a healthcare system, right? That's 18 more podcast episodes on a different one. Check out the Pharmacy Podcast Network for more talks on healthcare overall, right? All right. Um, but naloxone, um, there's a there's a bunch of, not just a couple, but a bunch of pearls I'd like to go over, you know, or quintessential clinical pearls when it comes to anything, really. Um, one thing I'll, I'll go on the, the I guess we'll call it the negative first. There's a, a chatter out there, not a lot, but chatter about, you know, what about side effects? You know, how could something not have any effects other than the intended effect? Um, there's a notable side effect concern uh, observed minimally, uh, but the overall idea there is uh, just having some references for pulmonary edema. And we got to keep in mind as well, though, uh, just, you know, the, the totality of any given situation as well, too. What else is going on uh, for folks who have overdosed as well? Uh, in the show notes, I'll include, of course, uh, lots of information as far as references for all this, uh, but just wanted to touch on that first. Now, we also touched on another pearl here is access. You know, hit up uh, in conversation, the OTC over-the-counter status already, but uh, prior to that and ongoing, really, uh, there's prescription access, uh, you know, just general prescribing, nothing new there, prescribing and dispensing. Uh, we've seen in the past and ongoing uh, having standing orders from uh, various state leaders. Uh, and then also in the past, a little bit uh, earlier, uh, we've had board of pharmacy protocols. Uh, those are certainly two different things. Standing orders being uh, signed and authorized by a prescribing entity. Uh, so insurance coverage can come into play. Uh, there's also uh, harm reduction efforts uh, out there, a plenty uh, before OTC status and ongoing for those without OTC status as far as the products. It was the idea of uh, you know how harm reduction organizations would acquire products to then give them away. Uh, that we're seeing that uh, slowly transition into a little bit more openness. Uh, there was the uh, DSCSA, if I got those letters right, exemption. Please remember there was an exemption uh, that uh, allowed harm reduction uh, agents to be able to get uh, naloxone easier. Uh, what what gets done with it then within harm reduction organizations? Uh, different efforts, things like vending machines, even sometimes uh, uh, you know walk up and being able to get naloxone. Other times providing information along the way. Uh, many times free, uh, and and whether there's regulations or no regulations or information exchange or not, uh, those efforts are out there. Uh, here's a story about one I, I uh, encountered recently. Uh, I was at a conference. I was up in Rhode Island. Uh, pretty nice weather outside. And uh, around lunchtime, I was like, let me take a walk for a block or two. Why not? So I walked across the street from the conference hotel. And there was this beautiful park there. Um, it, it was uh, Burnside Park, actually. Uh, named after General Ambrose Burnside from back in the Civil War. A beautiful park. It's only like a small block long, though. And all of a sudden, I saw this van parked on the sidewalk, like literally up on the sidewalk. I'm like, well, what do we got going on here? Uh, so I went and I uh, talked to the gents, and turns out they had their signage and were handing out free Narcan. Big old sign that said free Narcan. Um, of course, we want to you know concentrate on naloxone, not just one particular product. 
And I was talking to them and they, I was like, why'd you pick here? You know, what made you drive your van up on this sidewalk, which was approved through the city, all that stuff too. And they said, well, bud, um, the, the, in, as far as our city goes, this park is where there's the by far, far and large, the most uh, uh, overdoses. So we're here hanging out in the lock zone and education and other stuff. It's like, wow, what a strategic effort, I tell you. There's tons of that going on across the country, okay? Uh, reach out, let me know. Let Talk about it with others as well, too. All right, uh, the other pearls when it comes to naloxone. Uh, what about the correlation to the offending opioid, what caused the overdose, and the naloxone dose? You know, uh, we've talked before about morphine milligram equivalents or MMEs. Or it should we have like a RMME? Well, go with me here, folks, but a reversal MME. Uh, what's the correlation to the original opioid dose to the naloxone being administered? It'd be great to have specific information out there in the literature, right? Uh, what about uh, mu receptors? Is there a capacity? There's only so many of them. You know, what 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 if uh, the the opioid uh, dose that caused the overdose was just so incredibly high risk that, you know, what are we up against? Uh, so it, it's you know it's it's tricky there as well too. Um, we're seeing a lot of uh, more literature and headlines out there, quite frankly, of higher doses of naloxone being needed for this uh, fentanyl and all of its analogs issue going across our society, across the globe, but especially in our country. Uh, and that's, uh, it's interesting when you check the literature, a lot of times uh, these studies will be funded by manufacturers of the higher dose products, but somebody's got to pay for it, right? I, I mean, studies need to be done. Uh, you know, it brings up the question of what's the perfect dose? one of the biggest clinical pearls for naloxone. What is the perfect dose? Uh, so turns out actually back in 2016, our FDA uh, had a panel on figuring out the perfect dose. And well, it's not that they failed. It's just that they determined that you can't say what the perfect dose is. There's just, there's just no best or perfect naloxone dose because you got to look at the totality of the situation. Are you out in the middle of nowhere, rural America, far away from a hospital? And it's a longer than a half an hour ride to the, to the hospital. Uh, what was the dose of the uh, original opioid? I, you know, in the illicit drug market, we don't know that. Uh, we know when it's a, a diverted, misused, or derived from the legal healthcare supply chain, but otherwise, we we don't know, right? All right, so that's 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 a big one. But hey, the FDA panel said, well, can't figure it out. So how are the rest of us going to do it, right? All right, then um, you know, one of our previous episodes on the pain pod was talking about buprenorphine, okay? most misunderstood medication of the century, if not ever. Um, well, if someone's utilizing, uh, someone has opioid use disorder, opioid addiction, and utilizing buprenorphine, uh, the receptor affinity, the magnetism to the receptor of buprenorphine is through the roof compared to pretty much all other prescription opioids. Uh, it is approximately, buprenorphine's receptor affinity, magnetism to the receptor is approximately five times that of uh, naltrexone. Uh, and uh, at the same time, we're, we're looking at a, a factor of like five there for uh, naloxone. So that's a big thing there. Okay. Think about that. If, if naloxone's there uh, and somebody has a, is utilizing a buprenorphine product uh, for opioid addiction and has a relapse, uh, life happens, folks. Uh, naloxone is provided, buprenorphine's there in the background. It's a fight for the receptors, right? I'm not going to go deep into the pharmacology, but just in the big picture, it's a fight, okay? And it's real. 
Uh, speaking of somebody uh, having buprenorphine in the system, what about everything else? You know, uh, any more drug utilization is typically always poly substances, meaning multiple, right? Uh, the concept of one and, and one substance being utilized anymore, knowingly or unknowingly, it is much more the fewer, right? We say see that a lot uh, these days with the headlines for xylazine or trank um, works completely different than opioids quite frankly it's in the alpha realm all right for all of us healthcare professionals out there uh thinking uh similar to something like clonidine and so on and so forth not the same but similar uh but anyways not an opioid so naloxone is not going to work on that because it's not an opioid right i mean come on we all can realize that right uh well what about other things like uh even stimulants cocaine and whatnot uh, it's poly substance all the time yeah keep that in mind as well too so all right um now, another uh, bigger pearl with naloxone uh, is uh, if you think about well, about the expiration dates, okay? Uh, our tax dollars are utilized by the plentiful for acquiring and then providing naloxone products uh, for free across our country. Uh, and then when you look at the expiration date being a year, well, if you spend $100 million on something and it expires a year later, I hope it helped save lives in the year, but what about in year two? Uh, so expiration date always matters for medications, but it's just a little bit trickier and more prominent when it comes to naloxone. So my buddy CK, uh, it's Dr. CK Babcock, by the way, down in um, the Southern West Virginia area. Uh, he led uh, with a whole team, by the way, but it led uh, research that's uh, still ongoing to my knowledge uh, and was covered by CNN. Yeah, like the news company. Uh, it's covered by CNN. Uh, boy, if all of our manuscripts ended up on CNN or any of the big conglomerates, whew, that'd be pretty big, right? Um, anyways, uh, showed that uh, naloxone was still stable months after the expiration date. So you're looking at around about even a year on top of the year. The uh, research is ongoing to see if it's even up to five years. There's no answer there yet, folks, but that's what it's looking at there. Think about it in the sense of the hundreds of millions of dollars that that could save, uh, in addition to obviously the heartbeats. Okay, let's not lose that along the way. All right. Um, what Another big pearl, okay, when it comes to naloxone. Think like a real estate agent, all right? Uh, which, by the way, when you have open houses, is there any better place to find people's medications and food, for that matter? An open house, you get to go through people's houses. If they store medicines in a medicine cabinet, the the worst named healthcare thing out there next to baby aspirin, probably, uh, you can go to an open house, there's free food, and walk through the house, find the medicine cabinet. And people do this all the time. Uh, we need to be aware of that. I digress. Let's get back to the whole location, location, location when it comes to naloxone. Okay. In healthcare, we have tons of efforts, positive, wonderful efforts of manning every man, woman, and child with naloxone. We want to keep doing that, particularly within pharmacy. Okay, folks, let's rock that out. But to proceed without realizing that location matters, like having it right next to a defibrillator, having it on airplanes, in libraries, in, in stores, everywhere, um, because an overdose can happen anywhere. Okay. Uh, we we got to, you know, think about that in the big picture location matters. All right. All right. Let's, uh, let's get to some of the, the upper level. Uh, you want to have some uh, polar conversations. Here's one or two that'll get people going. All right. Yes. If you just, if you're running or hopefully not, if you're driving, you're paying attention to the road, uh, but uh, tune in for this next one or two, right? Naloxone, parole number, whatever we're on. Um, how many times uh, is there a maximum 
uh, you know, there's minimal conversations revolving around the, you know, the possible uh, maximum utilizations of naloxone uh, on one single human being. Um, what, what, where are we going with that? Right. Um, who, who's going to be the judge to say how many times is quote unquote enough. Right. Um, well, we really, it, it's a bigger package to unpackage. All right. But let's step away from SUD, OUD addiction for a moment and realize that there's relapse with other medical conditions all the time. Okay. Uh, think about even asthma. Uh, do we still dispense albuterol inhalers? Of course, silliest thing you heard today, right? Because folks are going to have, you know, uh, exacerbations or relapses of asthma. Um, hypertension happens there too. And of course, diabetes care as well uh, along the way. Life happens, okay? Um, why is it different in this realm? Why is it even a, a conversation compared to other medical conditions, right? Well, because there's a lot to unpackage and there's a word, a word called stigma, right? It's real. We need to be able to talk about these things. You know, uh, the way that I, I, I recommend folks contemplate looking at this of if there's a maximum number for one human. Uh, I saw a gentleman, his name was Ken. I'll leave it at that. Uh, posted a picture on on uh, social media and it was just uh, himself, jacket and tie, uh, contributing to society. And he said, uh, hey, I, I'm... Uh, it's a picture of him being a, a Marine, a, a cat dad, and uh, he was revived 15 separate times. Okay, uh, That picture resonated with me, and the concept I hope resonates with a lot of folks of uh, Ken's not around if the max was 14, okay? Uh, so if we're wondering about 1, 2, 3, 10, 15, or whatever the glass ceiling is, uh, think about Ken in that instance, okay? All right, that's uh, that goes down one path. Here's another path that I want everybody jumping on here. All right, jump back on this uh, party train with me here. Uh, the mythology of Narcan party. Okay, uh, it's a mythological concept of us humans injecting heroin and who knows whatever else uh, with complete disregard for experiencing a deadly overdose, uh, since there is naloxone in the in the area in the vicinity. Um, I, good golly, folks, uh, that that's truly a misunderstanding. I'm a human. I can't say that has never, ever happened on this planet because I don't live uh, everywhere, nor do any of us. Right. Uh, but it is mythology. Right. It's just fundamentally silly. All right. <laughs> For lack of better terms, uh, naloxone, uh, as the dose cranks, of course, too, uh, is going to induce eventually withdrawal. Uh, at, at some point, uh, folks are not necessarily utilizing substances to get high. It's more so to stave off withdrawal, okay? So why would somebody want to utilize a medicine that causes withdrawal at certain doses, um, typically higher? Uh, it, it just it just doesn't make sense, right? Ay, 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 ay. Um, I, that conversation has happened record and repeat uh, all across our country as well. There's even been headlines. I saw one from down in Tennessee. Uh, nothing against it, you guys in Tennessee, okay? We got these everywhere. I just happened to see that one. It, it's myth, folks, okay? All right. Now, that's some of our clinical pearls. We're thinking about opening up the oyster here. Uh, what about what products are available, okay? Okay. Uh, you know, we went over already the OTC ideas, that that pipeline. Uh, but there's always in the background been the injectable, uh, particularly it's generic injectable, okay? Uh, incredibly relatively cheap compared to all other formulations, okay? But it does require injection. Uh, now, in many instances, folks will be perfectly fine with that. 
Um, but not all, right? So we've got to remember that balance along the way there, okay? Now there is the newer injectable product, the Zim High injectable product. Uh, it's a five milligram one-time use um, uh, product. It's ready to go. Uh, you um, and I'll include all the the references, and you can get pictures and all that, of course, in the show notes here for Pain Pod. Uh, but the overall idea is uh, having a device that is one-time use, relatively easy to do so. Um, you know, inject it into the thigh, and then go from there with typical administration techniques. So that's our injectable side. Then we jump over to, to the nasal products. In the background for a long time now, we've had the generic intranasal kits. Uh, the overall idea there is that it's, um, it, you know, the, the big picture difference with the kits is having to put the device together. And it is incredibly easy to do so. But again, if someone's dying in front of you, it's a little bit harder. And if you're teaching someone else to teach someone else, that gets harder as well, too. Uh, as far as the nasal, nasal products go, the kit that you have to put together, so it's a little bit harder right off the bat, uh, you spray one ml, or you do a spray, but it's one ml in each nostril, okay? The pre-packaged things like Narcan, or it's generic, or Cloxado, those are one spray in one nostril. And all of these are then wait two to three minutes and can be repeated if needed. Uh, but we got to keep those in mind. So we got the two uh, injectable ideas there, generic injectable and Zim High. And then intranasal, we've got the manual kit and then Narcan and generic and Cloxado. Uh, things from the past, actually, the Ebzio, the talking auto injector that was approximately $4,000, that was discontinued in October of 2020. So we're not really seeing that particular thing around yet. However, uh, it's made a comeback in a way. Uh, there's uh, the Rapid Opioid Countermeasure System, or ROCKS. Uh, that's, um, I, I can't believe I'm saying this sometimes, but if you, you go to the website, you can literally see uh, folks in chemical warfare suits walking around. So uh, it's meant for any chemical warfare to get around that if uh, fentanyl or its analogs or opioids in general to be uh, developed in the future, uh, that's around in a militaristic sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, our Pentagon paid the company uh, about $20 million to develop the product. And according to a recent budget, it's already bought about 4,000 kits at a price of about $349 each. Do the math. That's uh, our tax dollars, $275 million. Wow. Um, and that's for chemical warfare preparation. Good golly. All right. So that's our big picture as far as the products that are out there. I already alluded to the pipeline for the, the newer nasal products coming, of course. Uh, but big picture when it comes to uh, naloxone, you know, particularly um, there was a recent study that talks about what, what are, how about us pharmacists? Are we getting, are we having an impact? Okay. I've talked to countless pharmacists across our country who have been making an impact in every community. Okay. Uh, you hand out how many naloxone do you have to be dispensing to then save someone's life? Uh, if the answer is yes at any point, then it was fruitful, right? Uh, well, it was a recent study. Uh, that actually uh, went uh, into the idea that uh, in the study, and I'll have it in the show notes, uh, it's about one in eight recipients. Uh, now, this study is a little bit older. It's from 2016, but it's saying about 13% of the time, uh, a directly an overdose will be reversed with what's provided. Okay, so one in eight, even if it's better or worse, folks, that's still pretty good numbers overall. Okay. Now, uh, we got to remember also that uh, naloxone is utilized in combination with uh, opioid products. I mentioned the buprenorphine naloxone, but also pentazosin with naloxone as those uh, attempts at being abused to turn formulations as well. 
All right, so as we're wrapping up here, I just want to go over uh, naltrexone and then uh, kind of hot off the presses, nalmaphene as well. The other opioid mu antagonists. Uh, so naltrexone uh, was actually developed uh, technically uh, um, before naloxone back in the 60s. Uh, well, the thing with naltrexone is that it's effective when it's taken orally by mouth. Uh, it's usually within an hour. That's the caveat, okay? Takes longer to start compared to naloxone, but lasts longer. So that's uh, not as conducive to saving someone's life if they're not breathing at the moment, right? Okay. Uh, there's also uh, LDN or low-dose naltrexone out there. I mean, this is the pain pod, so we should probably touch on the idea of LDN, low-dose naltrexone, being around for uh, pain management, okay? It uh, is basically the low-dose naltrexone is affecting our, our immune systems, okay? Uh, there's an anti-inflammatory uh, property there involving glial cells along the way. Uh, low dose naltrexone or LDN is generally referred to as one to four and a half milligrams. Whereas what we're seeing as an opioid antagonist is 50 to 100 milligrams, much higher, much larger. Okay. Uh, so that's the big picture there as well, too. Uh, heck, there's even uh, well, at least one study out there of uh, evaluating low dose naltrexone for long COVID. Yeah. Uh, it, it, LDN, man, there, there's lots of references out there. So, so check it out. Uh, as far as, uh, in the healthcare sense, uh, what about some side effects with naltrexone or low dose naltrexone, I should say, just got to watch for any, uh, vivid dreams, uh, cause there's an endorphin release, uh, you know, similar to, to a smoking cessation agent as well, too. Things we need to tell our patients, right? Uh, now LDN, there's actually an orphan drug product now, uh, that was granted back in September of 2021, uh, to Swain Therapeutics. Uh, so that's, um, uh, you know, the overall treatment there is looking for LDN, low-dose naltrexone, to be helping out with CRIPS, uh, complex regional pain syndrome. So just want to update everybody with that. Um, some of the more uh, streamlined products, of course, there's naltrexone in a weight loss product. It's Contrave ER. And then obviously, uh, there's the uh, oral tablets and the uh, once-monthly intramuscular injections. Uh, for uh, Revia and Vivitrol, respectively, uh, in the realm of opioid addiction. All right, so that's, uh, well, that's naltrexone in a hot second or two, right? Uh, I promised mentioning nalmaphene. That's, it's a little bit more hot off the presses. Uh, again, though, discovered back in the 70s. Um, it, it was utilized, it was FDA approved actually in the 90s uh, as an IV agent for opioid overdose. But the manufacturer dis discontinued that turn of the century, basically. Um, but now there, there's more and more studies in the last decade or so, okay? Now, nalmaphene, this is the new one, all right? Uh, compared to naltrexone, what we were just talking about, uh, it's got a longer half-life uh, and even greater oral bioavailability. Uh, it's got similar binding to the opioid receptor, mu, of course. If you compare nalmaphene to naloxone, uh, nalmaphene has uh, about, give or take, uh, five times the receptor binding affinity. So that's big, okay? Uh, nalmaphene's uh, generally recognized as an inverse mu agonist, partial kappa agonist, and a delta agonist, although minimal. Uh, but the idea there is that whole inverse mu agonism, binding to the opioid mu receptor and causing the opposite effects um, then, uh, so it's different than an antagonist. Antagonist blocks an inverse mu agonist. Nalmaphene is going to bind to the opioid mu receptor and cause the opposite effects. So reversing respiratory depression. 
We only got, uh, there's an uh, IVIM FC product of nalmaphene uh, currently available. It's from Purdue Pharma. Uh, so there's uh, two ML vials. Uh, but again, it's IVIMSC. Uh, Orexo, the company, actually has a nalmaphene nasal spray in the pipeline. That's uh, uh, basically a high dose nalmaphene nasal product that's under development now. All right. So that was all things naloxone, a little bit of naltrexone, and even a tiny little bit of nalmaphene, since it's uh, usually uh, aiming to be a high dose thing. That's our op opioid mu receptor agonists. I'm sorry, antagonist. Good golly. So that's our, our, you know, again, now naloxone, naltrexone, nalmaphene. Overall, that's our big time opioid mu antagonists. All right. We did the all things naloxone, but we want to add in naltrexone and nalmaphene as well, too. What it comes down to, though, um, you know, there's a, a documentary. It's uh, probably about 15, 20 years ago. It's called uh, Walmart, The High Cost of Low Price. I, I'm not recommending the documentary to folks here. What I'm saying is that. You know, when it comes to naloxone, particularly all this hubbub about OTC naloxone, big step forward, not a touchdown yet, right? And nowhere near winning the Super Bowl, but it's going to help save lives. Um, but when we look at access, we got to look at the cost as well, too. So OTC naloxone, the high cost of debatable price, we're going to see. Um, in the end, you know, pricing has improved for naloxone products overall, uh, but we're really we're, we're all going to see what it's what it's going to be doing as one piece of the puzzle, because I always say to everybody, it always it takes everyone to keep the boat afloat. Okay, in this realm of pain management and addiction, it's patients, it's prescribers, dispensers, um, academia, managed care, uh, federal level, state level, manufacturers, insurance companies, distributors, law enforcement, everybody. It takes everyone to keep the boat afloat. My only hope is that this pain pot episode today, going over all things naloxone and beyond, spurs more conversations across our country and quite frankly, beyond. Uh, so I, I really want to thank everyone for your time here, as always, of course, uh, here on the pain pod. Uh, please, please do continue these conversations everywhere, not just when you're at uh, professional conferences, but in your communities. Take this information, talk about it. Uh, we really need to uh, have everybody on board to keep the boat afloat. So thank you again, Pain Pod Nation. I look forward to our next episode, most likely covering thug drugs, opioids. See how it's all linking together? Thank you again, Pain Pod Nation, and have a great day every day. If you'd like to join Mark on the pain pod, send us an email to publisher at pharmacypodcast.com and make sure to share the show and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. Thanks for listening.